Podcasts are an independent way for podcasters like me to bring a local voice to your ears. At the Spent the Rent Podcast, we strive to raise awareness of topics that affect the often underrepresented. Our title sponsor, Oregon Cashflow Pro, offers free money management advice that can help you take control of your finances. At OregonCashflowPro.com, you will find videos to guide you towards your goal of financial freedom. For more info, there will be a link in the show notes. The following podcast is available on all major streaming sites, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. You can now listen to all previous episodes, donate to the podcast, and buy shirts directly from the Spent the Rent podcast at our newly designed official website, strpod.com. Welcome to the Spent the Rent Podcast. I am your host, Patty Rose. I've got two guests today, representatives from Shelter Care, Dana Peterson-Crab and Josh Knotts. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Hello. Thanks for having us. So we came on, uh, you guys reached out to me. Uh, Dana, you've been on in the past, uh, it was about a year and a half ago, I think, or, or maybe a year ago. I think it was December, actually, of 2021. So uh, we talked about what you do at Shelter Care. And you guys reach out to me and said, you know, there's so much stuff changing and kind of wanted to give an update uh, on what it is that you do with shelter care, which is such an important thing in the Eugene community and integral for uh, dealing with the housing situation. So I definitely I'm always interested and my door is always open virtually in this case. Uh, Josh, thank you so much for joining us this time. Uh, we'll learn a little bit more about what it is you do as a as a case manager and crisis intervention specialist. Dana, you are the senior director of housing services at Shelter Care. This is awesome. Uh, thank you guys so much for being here. It's good to be here. I enjoyed it the last time. So I was like, I have to go back. It was super informative. It was one of my favorite episodes. There's so much. I did a little uh, you know, series on housing at that time and it was really neat and I learned a tremendous amount. I had, I mean, I really, I didn't even know at that time what the housing first model was. People would talk about housing first, housing first. And I didn't know what that was. And so we've talked about that ad nauseum since, and I've learned a lot and it just, it's pretty cool. The, you know, the people that reached out to me and told me different things about that episode and what they learned. And then I learned more from that and it was really rewarding. So here we are again. So before we start, uh, I wanted to give you Dana, a give, have you give us a refresher on what it, what it is exactly that shelter care does. Well, shelter care, um, we do a lot of different things. We have a behavioral health program where we have therapists and skills trainers who work with uh, folks in the community on, um, you know, managing behavioral health symptoms and um, doing some talk therapy. We also have our shelter services, which is mostly located on Highway 99. And those services include services for families, households with children. Um, we have a medical recuperation, which is uh, folks come from who maybe don't need to stay in the hospital, but they don't have anywhere safe to go to recover from um, whatever medical emergency medical condition that they've experienced. So it's a safe place to land until they can um, kind of transition somewhere else. Uh, saves the hospitals money um, insurance companies some money and, um, cause it's a lot cheaper to stay at, at that location than to stay in the hospital. So the, the other shelter sites kind of right across the road on highway 99 serve, um, 
like I said, households with children um, and uh, single individuals who, you know, need, are transitioning from, you know, being on the streets into um, more permanent housing or uh, it's more of a transitional housing site um, and less of an emergency shelter type site. Uh, they are the nice thing about that is that it's not a congregate shelter. So everybody has their own unit and they kind of have their own space there. So they don't have, to, they can cook their own food. Um, there's, they can keep their own food because there's refrigerators in the units. Um, so it's kind of a nice little place uh, to kind of decompress and like readjust and work on the next steps to more permanent support housing or permanent housing. Right. And uh, we also have the rapid rehousing programs, which are, uh, we assist people to kind of like locate uh, affordable units in the community and just give them some short-term uh, rental assistance uh, to kind of get them on their way to staying housed. Um, and then we have our permanent supported housing program, which is um, a lot longer term housing. It's not necessarily permanent, but it is much longer term in terms of the supports that we provide. So we work on budgeting, we work on goal setting, whatever the our participant wants to work on and what they you know, have in mind as their ultimate goal of dream. Um, and we try to help them get there. Right. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people. This is a multi-pronged approach to tackle this. Anyone that lives in Oregon knows that it's a massive issue, you know, and, the, and we're going to talk about the governor and, and Governor Kotek's recent emergency declaration in a little bit. And people are taking this. I mean, this is an epidemic, this 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 issue of housing and houselessness. And I mean, I wrote this down that more than 18,000 Oregonians are considered to be homeless. 18,000. I mean, this, that's insanity. You know, the number is widely considered to be a low estimate because it doesn't account for folks residing in tr non-traditional shelters or those staying with family on a temporary basis. Anyone that spends any time in Oregon can attest that it's the number one issue currently. And so uh, there's a lot of people. I mean, what I learned, that's what I tried to spotlight. There's a lot of people doing different types of things. Uh, and so, Josh, the reason that we wanted to have you on is because as a case manager and crisis intervention specialist, you know, you're on the front lines of this and trying to find people. I mean, my mom was a case manager for senior disabled services, and I know how difficult of a job it was for her. She ended up with a little bit of PTSD and, you know, from trauma that she had seen and also reminded her of trauma she had gone through. And so, first of all, thank you. For th thank you both, you know, for the work that you do. And it's a huge sacrifice and service to the community. But Josh, I wanted to ask you what an average day looks like uh, as a case manager and how the challenges of how everybody has a different approach and view on how we should tackle homelessness. Yeah. Um, so working with the Birch program, it's a little bit different than than being directly with working with uh, homeless. I work mainly with individuals that are referred from the jail or OSH. Um, they probably were homeless at one time. Uh, so the average day for me, we usually get into the office and we talk about the plan for the day. And then we have uh, four houses currently in the community. And then we divide up our time amongst those four houses. So we go to the house and we interact with, usually it's three residents per house. And we work on their goals and uh, the basics they would need for moving into permanent housing in the long term. Right. And how do you, yeah. how does someone get, we've talked about this in the past, but I just repeat, I want to act like we didn't do that other episode so that anyone that's only listening for the first time, 
how does someone get to you? How does someone get to, you know, they're basically just, like you had said, they could get out of jail or it could be homeless, or but they don't walk into your office, right? I no. mean, how, how does that happen? So we get direct referrals from uh, uh, Lane County Behavioral Health. That's right. the only way to get into the Birch program. Right. We're going to yeah. talk about the Birch program. We can do that now, actually. So the Birch program... Uh, and someone in your office sent me in the email uh, such a thorough explanation of what it is the Birch, Pro, Birch Program is that I just thought I would read that. So the Birch Program is a traditional shelter and case management program working to help divert people with serious mental health needs from jails, like you had just said, psychiatric hospitals, and enable, enable them to stabilize in the community. Birch clients have been able, found unable to aid and assist in their own legal defense. And I, refer, I should have read my own damn thing. You just said that. <laughs> uh, are unable to, you know... Uh, assist in their own legal defense and are referred to shelter care by the courts and behavioral health. Most Birch participants were unhoused prior to their stay in the Oregon house, Oregon state hospital or jail shelter care operates three homes. This is the part I wanted to talk about. They operate three homes within the Eugene Metro area and plan to open a fourth. Uh, they house nine, nine people per house. Is that correct? No, it's three people per house. Oh my gosh. See, this is the issue with all of this stuff is that it's like, it helps 10 people and I'm, I'm, it's amazing but again it's like a multi-pronged approach there's so many people that have to be on this so i read that so there's nine people and so when you expand it, it can expand a fourth house so, you can add three more so we, we did expand so we have birch one and birch two birch one works with individuals that are direct referrals from lane county behavioral health that are still part of aid and assist and then birch two uh, works with people that have graduated from aid and assist and that are now in the transition phase of their release. They've been found able. And it's like, what's their next step? So we started Birch 2 to kind of help transition to helping them find permanent housing okay. instead of going back to the streets. Yeah. And then I, you know, around the same time that I had you on, Dana, we talked, I talked to a, a person from uh, hybrid real estate and they had made, and there's a lot of different things happening. There's a house where, you know, it's transitional working with looking glass and, and it's, it's, it's really cool. I wish I could spotlight all of them, but, uh, mm -hmm. it, you know, what, what do you think? I wanted to ask about this too. What, uh, Josh, what do you think the biggest challenge is? Cause everyone has a different approach on like what the answer is. Everyone has an answer. Everyone says that about homelessness and just housing in general, uh, you know, how is that on working with people? Cause it's a big group of people you work with, I'm sure. And all the different opinions and different ideas. How, do, how does that go down? I mean, it's, it's like you said, a multi-pronged approach is what's needed because everyone has different needs. Um, I think the biggest thing in Oregon is just affordable housing. Yeah. Just finding a house that's affordable for living wages in, in Oregon is just really hard. Yeah. And I don't know what we can even do. Like there's people coming in and buying city blocks and you, how do you stop that? Cause they're American citizen, you know, they're American, you know, what do you do? I mean, I've thought about different ways that, to do it. And then I know the rental cap, uh, or the increase cap or whatever it was, it backfired. Cause now they're like, cool, we'll just raise it 15% every single year, yep. you know? And so, I mean, it's just, it's frustrating. Uh, I want to talk about the changing trends that you've seen in social services and housing industries in Lane County over the past year. Dana, we'll, we'll have you start with this. Do you, would you say that in some years we're in a better spot today than we were a year ago? Obviously coming out of COVID there's that. So there's, the, there's a lot of things there, but just, in housing, is it worse today or is it, is there, are you seeing improvements? I would say, I think it's always going to be like one step forward, one step back, you know, like where you kind of like, because it is ever changing. It's not like a, you know, seeing the same 
participants with the same issues, like, you know, like you've both been kind of saying is that multi-pronged approach because it's a very, it's a diverse need in the community. Like, you know, it's, it's not just simply like everybody gets a job and can move into an apartment. There's, you know, substance use issues. There's um, behavioral health, you know, mental health issues that are, you know, causing symptoms that, you know, it's just such a wide variety of things that can affect where you're at now being outside or, you know, how you ended up there, why you can't get out of it. And there's lots of different things going on. So like having different approaches is going to be really crucial in order to like get past, you know, try to get over this or get, you know, at least past a certain number, I would imagine. Um, even if we cannot get to like a funk, you know, a zero, yeah. like, because I think oh, that's, that's probably the whole impossible. problem. And right. it's great. Yeah. But the issue that we're having is there's, you know, um, I heard a quote, uh, I mean, this is just a quote that I heard, um, I think it was uh, from the National Alliance to End Homelessness, is that um, nationally, every day, like a thousand people become homeless. Wow. But every day, a thousand people get housed and exit homelessness. So there's this um, kind of rotating door of like, you know, like, how can we stop that from happening? Um, and kind of just like take it would give us a moment to breathe um at least on our end in um in the services that we provide uh so i think in some ways we're better off and in some ways we're you know worse off obviously yeah yeah and i mean you know the two-party system doesn't help because anytime an election people want to use it as 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 a you know battle cry that they're going to cut the funding and then they cut the funding to all these different programs. And then we start back at square one, you know, and it's, it's, it's pretty nauseating. But then there's also times where people can look at areas that, you know, resources might not be being utilized the best. And who do you think, Josh, I'll ask you, who do you think that needs to be heard from more on that front <laughs> on people that are not being heard from as far as what resources would be utilized best? I mean, that's a huge sc scope, but I think you, you know, you got me. I mean, that is a huge scope. Uh, I think going down to the nonprofits, because, I mean, they're so tight with their budgets and they spend their money so resourcefully. Yeah. Uh, just talking to them and how to better utilize the income. I mean, I think the federal government spends, like, what, $51 billion a year to combat homelessness? Yeah. And, and you know, I talked about it before. I mean, C Governor Kotek's emergency declaration asked legislators for $130 million in funding to address the issue of houselessness statewide. I mean, that, if that that's happening, we'll see if it goes through. I mean, especially with this Congress, I don't know. I don't know how that stuff's going to work. But and with the new Lane, Lane County commissioners, I don't know if they're if they're handing that. That's a, not a decision they would make. It would be on the state level. But uh, I mean, it, it's people just think that they can just over police it. And that's the answer to it sometimes. Like, let's just get more cops. And that's the answer. It's like, no, dude, we got to we got to invest in like actual humanity. Like that's the that's the harsh reality is, is that it's going to take us all as individuals to think about this differently. It's it's broken, you know? And so what would that money mean to Lane County? I mean, I don't even know what it would look like. We have, we've heard all this stuff about the infrastructure bill, infrastructure bill, but $130 million could be a big, a big change. I mean, I, I don't know. Do you mm -hmm. think that that's even well, going to... 
I mean, like, on our end, we're cautiously optimistic, and it's just too soon to see what it will look like. And because, I mean, there's two points to that. So you get the news, like, we're going to, you know, use this money, and it's uh, it'll be great. And then it's the planning on, okay, well, how will we divide this money up in, into different counties, into different cities? And then it's the role, like, who takes charge of that? Is it, right. you know, or OHCS? Is it OHA? Like, who's going to take charge of that and, like, really commit to um, making sure that that's divided up and then that they get the data on what the results are? And that can look very different um, depending on how how that's rolled out. Um, I yeah, know that I've we, seen, you know, many rollouts, it can be, take a really long time or it'll be really fast and then we're all scrambling to keep up. Sure, and then there's also the obvious equity concerns and, you know, it's like, we've already heard situations where developers are like, hey, can we get that tax break for uh, creating uh, high income housing because it opens up low income housing because people move from those ones into our new expensive housing, that kind of stuff. We mm -hmm. can't see that kind of stuff. And this is where this, I don't know, the politics of it makes it really sloppy and mm -hmm. ugly because people will be like, you know, they will, I don't know. They only care about their neighborhood. <laughs> so, uh, one of the areas I have heard is that the state is looking to repurpose state owned parcels as a way to create more low barrier barrier. Sorry. It's, it's looking to create uh, repurpose state parcels as a way to create more low barrier shelters. Have you guys heard anything about that yet? Only, again, it's one of those uh, where you're cautiously optimistic because there's the announcement and then there's the rollout. And we have to wait kind of to see what the rollout looks like. Um, we're not uh, in the development game so much uh, as an organization. If somebody else builds it, um, we can look at if it makes sense for our organization to get involved um, because we serve kind of um, a particular population. Um, so if it were youth shelters, it wouldn't really necessarily be us. Right. You talked about some of the nonprofits. Uh, there's so many, and but I always like to ask, what's one that you've kind of been paying attention to? I guess I'll start with you, Josh. I always like to give Core a shout out. You talked about the youth too, because they're, they're doing some really cool stuff and they do it in a different way. And I think that's incredible. And that is something I, I don't think gets enough attention. There's so many, we need people from different, you know, belief systems, different kind of dance to a different tune kind of things, because then it can reach different people, you know? So what are some nonprofits here uh, in Eugene or locally that you have been keeping your eye on lately that have been doing awesome stuff to help with housing? Oh, that's tough. Um, I've I've been so super focused on shelter care. Uh, that that's really the only one I pay attention to at and this that, point. That's huge because it's it's been there for what fifty years or something. So and it's it's yeah. been a staple and obviously uh, the go to. And so that's cool, you know. And what about you? Do you have one you can think of, Dana? Um, I have to show to pro bono. Uh, they provide the veterinary clinic on the weekends. I want to say it's Sundays. I don't know. I mean, they, I just think that's great. Um, anytime that you have such an organization that has such a high reliance on volunteerism um, and they pull it off 
they've been around for quite a long time and provide a really vital service to folks who, um, I just know that in my life, my dogs are so important to me um, that I just can't imagine like trying to, like I would feed them first. Right. And, and like yeah. that, you know, I know I'm not alone for those animal lovers out there that I just can't imagine. And, and being able to offer these vaccinations and all the other stuff that they offered there, it's just really, really great. And yeah. they're a good organization. Yeah. There's, I mean, I can't imagine, you know, your dog gets sick and then you might have to lose your home, you know, over mm -hmm. the bill. I mean, and that happens a lot, I'm sure, you know, so we talk about a lot of the difficult stuff, uh, and there's some more difficult stuff after this, but I want to talk about something kind of fun, uh, that shelter care takes part in every year. And it's the zombie walk, the zombie walk 5k. This is a way that you guys like to raise money. Uh, tell me about that event, Dana. And, uh, you know why it was so beneficial last year it got a lot of publicity was the turnout pretty did it turn out to be pretty good yeah uh well we had 250 runners 100 zombies and we were able to make raise um eighteen thousand dollars wow. so wow. it was really successful like and it i was there this is the first year that i volunteered to you know like i stood on the course and had a cool mask on and you know pointed a lot like go <laughs> right. that way go that direction but it was it was so much fun and it's uh one of the better <laughs> volunteer things that i've done because it was just like uh easy volunteer work sure and lazy so i love that right. about it but um it's just a really good time at like you know we have runners and walkers families it's all ages so yeah the kids le were all about know. it it was at alton, yeah. was it at alton baker park by the, like the science center or something it was it was yeah, yeah it was and it was a beautiful day um there was a kid one of the younger zombies was like maybe three or four feet tall like this little zombie and that was behind me and i just kept she would just like run after each runner or walker and like scream at them. And I think she got tired halfway through because <laughs> at some point she just started barking at them. Um, but it was fantastic. And <laughs> it was just such a great time. The um, Through the World, Thrill the World dancers were there and they're just great. Um, it's all ages, like I said. And um, although some of the zombies are pretty scary, so keep that in mind. So beware, but, if you're, yeah, yeah, beware. Yeah, be that's warned. so. That was in September last year, so it's always around Halloween or whatever. Probably right before. Yeah, Halloween. it's October. Oh, it was October. Like okay. The, yeah. So I, I'll. I'll I think this year it'll be October twenty second. Okay, I'll shout um, that out because it's a big always, deal. It is. It's so much fun. I encourage everybody. We're always looking for. Um, we're looking for sponsors. Mm-hmm. So anytime that we can, you know, pull in sponsors, we love it Sweet. and it is fun. So one of the things I wanted to ask about is, you know, people in the community are, are at a loss at what to do. And a lot of people have different opinions. And I want to talk in, in a minute about like how we have to stop dehumanizing each other, <laughs> you know, in, in life. I mean, and I'm going to, so we'll get to that, but I wanted to ask you guys before I do, 
you know, what can citizens do? I mean, if people are listening and they're like, look, I'm, I'm frustrated. What can I do to help with the housing situation, with the homelessness situation? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, where do they turn? Just average citizens that want to help. Well, there's always, um, I know that there are volunteer opportunities. Um, so like physically like offering, you know, like what do you need? Um, we frequently, like I said, we have, I mean, like zombies help us out all the time. Um, so there's that. We've also got opportunities usually around the holidays, like for larger groups, if your business wants to come to, we have people put together um, home starter kits, uh, rec- like toilet paper drives. We've had a lot of success with the toilet paper drives because those that's just one of those resources that you don't think about. But if you have no income, you can't really get toilet paper on a regular basis yeah. or cleaning supplies for your household. So a lot of our, um, our participants really um, value the toilet paper and that we're able to like provide for them. Um, and those toilet paper drives, it is very exciting. Um, you can always watch our page, our Facebook page because uh, we love getting toilet paper and we always <laughs> shout out whenever people drop off like mass amounts. So. Nice. So yeah, go to shelter care on Instagram, Facebook, all that kind of stuff. And you can find out a lot, of, a lot more, you know, there mm-hmm. about upcoming events and different things. Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about unfortunate news, you know, that just broke today. Obviously the video was dropped, um, of Tyree Nichols and the footage is heinous and, and we're, we're seeing yet another, this is a different issue than what you guys are doing. But it's like it's just dehumanization by this is by the police. And I just I, we see it in different areas. I mean, we see it with the homelessness with, that there's just this dehumanizing attitude towards people like like they're just cast offs, you know, that they don't matter. And that I think we all have to look at ourselves and think like if we want this to be changed, then we have to change ourselves. Right. And so, I mean, it's I can't imagine the work you do and how nauseating it must be when you just hear someone say, like, I just wish that they do something about this damn homeless, <laughs> you know, and all that stuff, because you're like, I'm seriously giving it everything I got, you know, and I don't know. It made me sick to my stomach. And when my kid is the one that's telling me I mean, he's 22 years old, but it still stings like, you know, <laughs> you know, when your kid is like, did you see the footage of that? I mean, it was absolutely dehumanizing. And I just I don't know. It's so difficult. It is. Uh, well, and I think that, like, we see people trying so hard, not just, like, the work that we do, but, like, the folks that we work with are really trying. And it just takes, you know, the longer that you've, you know, kind of struggled and you have to kind of, like, dig yourself out of a hole in some regards, like, whether it be financially because, you know, you went into debt and, like, have these different things that you, you know, just because you can't pay for them, you know, what are you going to do? Um, and so you have to kind of dig yourself out of that financial hole while also trying to like pay for all these other things that now, you know, and there's this weird balance, but I think that it's hard for, I know that, you know, I try to protect, I know for me just personally is trying to protect myself from some things like just, okay, you know, I want to stay on top of, you know, what what is happening in the world and what people are experiencing. But at the same time, I know this other piece 
of reality where I'm like, I know all of the people in these, like many of the people in these programs and I've known them for many years. So I know that what they're going through and when they're struggling or um, one of the trends that we've seen lately is just people's health is so greatly affected by staying outside, like living outside, not being able to like maybe connect with the doctor's office because, you know, some sweep happens to their camp on the day that they're supposed to go to their doctor's appointment. They don't make it to their doctor's appointment because they don't have their stuff anymore. There's like that big upheaval. And then they lose their doctor because they miss too many appointments. Right. And then, or they, and they're charged for that or, you know, all these different things that can happen that really derail somebody, but it's really, I mean, like, Oh, you know, just positive regard for each other and assuming that everybody has positive, you know, that we have positive intent for each other, that we're assuming positive intent from each other. Um, I mean, that sounds naive, but it's how I get through most of my life because I can't live like that, even though I know that it's out there and like, yeah, oh, people are not all out to do good, but I don't care. I'm going to stay true to who I am and I hope people out there stay true to who you are if you feel like you want to be that person who's like I'm just going to assume that you're going to be good and assume positive intent from you until you prove me wrong right and and give that to the world and then and that's you know that's infectious and other people see that kindness and you know compassion and it's it's contagious you know but you know, it's all, you know, we can only do what we can do in a day. And sometimes you have to tune yourself off to the national news because that stuff is literally made to, to do that, you know? And, and, but with this issue locally, it's just people at every corner of society are just so nauseated and so tired with the fact that we are in this position. And I mean, I've been saying it forever. It's like, yeah, okay, we can tax the wealthy. I mean, that would start <laughs> with stuff, mm-hmm. you know, and, and people pay their fair share because, you know, it's, it's disgusting the amount of money that is made off of our data and all that different kinds of stuff. And, and I don't know, it's just, we just have to re like, we just have to look at how much people have been dehumanized in society and we need to think about it, but yeah. yeah. Well, and we all have to recognize too that we're burnt out, yeah. you know, I mean, people are going to be like kind of experiencing that burnout from you know, if you're woken up at 3 a.m. every night because your neighbor is uh, in crisis, having a party, right, or or in, whatever, or in yeah, part, yeah, whatever the case may be. If like you know during college, you know, like when students are back and they're having a party, and like yeah, I admit, I you know, I moved into what I knew was college area or where students lived, and then all of a sudden there's parties, and like man, you get burnt out. You're yeah. like, I can accept, I can accept, I can accept, but then you get burnt out and you're like, okay, I need a, I need a break. Yeah. One thing I would so, like to see with that, with that emergency declaration is I'd like to see our leaders on the state level, on a local level, city level, county level. I'd like to see them reach out to you guys. I'd like to see them talk to the people that are actually doing this work. And I hope that that's what they're planning on doing, you know, and talk to the people that are actually knowledgeable about this and see it. And so that, cause you have you know, a wealth of knowledge on this and experience with it and compassion for it. And the fact that you keep doing it, even though it's so, 
you know, exhausting. I, I mean, I think that they need to to listen to what you have to say about it. And I think that that's, I think they will. I think that that's going to be the plan. I think you're going to see a lot of, there is going to be funding, some, that is going to mm-hmm. be bigger than what was in the past. And I just hope that it's utilized well and that it's not just, I mean, no knock on shelter care. Shelter care is doing a great job. But when we talk about nine people, it's so difficult, you know, because that doesn't even touch the surface, you know, and, and, and what is the number now is, is what they say in or in Eugene is like 4,000. Is that Eugene or Lane County? I can't remember. It's like 4,000 mm-hmm. people a night on average is what they say. And that's just out of control. You know, that's, that's what it takes to fill math United arena. It's 4,000 mm-hmm. people, you know, so that's pretty startling. Uh, well, thank you guys so much for, for, for coming on and talking to me. It's nice to meet you, Josh. It's nice to see you again, Dana. Uh, Dana Peterson Crab, the Senior Director of Housing Services, and Josh Knotts, the Case Manager and Crisis Intervention Specialist from Shelter Care. Uh, if you'd like to donate to Shelter Care, you can go to their website. I'm sure there's ways and there's a lot of information. Be sure to follow them on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, all that good stuff. There's, there's a lot of good stuff. And the cool thing is once you do, the, the algorithms will start steering you towards other Lane County organizations that are doing great work. I know that that's how I've met a lot of my guests and you're, you know, I'm, I'm always down to spotlight what you guys are working on and I just appreciate the work that you're doing. So thank you guys both so much. Thank you. Thanks again for having us. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay. We're going to get out of here. You guys have a good day. We're going to end this with a song. This is primates with the song generation ill. Generation hill of the death, give me a gun I got plenty of meat but ain't living in the slums Free bit of dirty digging holes in the woods It's a generation raised on death, violence and blood Many generations still by cops slapping guns And if you really don't know, then don't be deaf, blind and dumb We got generation filled with a murder that kill They can't build around the anger, can't utilize the skill Put in the loaded magazine and activate the mechanism A simple squeeze of the index finger forming a victim Generation hill with desire to kill Ready to express and suppress, feel that it's still he turned the video game off and went and played God If he makes a front page, it all pays off Pull the fire alarm and put his game face on Generation Phil, now I'm needing a gun Generation Phil for real under the gun He says he goes away, he's about as light as the sun Look into the mirror, son, the damage is done Generation Phil for real under the gun Generation Phil for real under the gun He says he goes away, he's about as light as the sun Look into the mirror, son, the damage is done Children of the shoot them up, generation ill, already matrixed out and can't swallow the pill. Raised on blue steel with a fire iron will. I hear the sniper at the heart of a killing field. Fascination with the gun and bread from day one. Walk out in every channel and planted on all fronts. It's everywhere you look, live and surround sound. Walking time bombs with the pulse for a countdown. That's some ill shit, the click in the kill switch. With a skull full of clips, stick deep like a drill bit. Raise that hair trigger up close to your gut fittings All we ever learn is pull the burner at Buck Williams That's that heart stare that's been there from the first square Head full of despair, hidden under a cold glare Ultraviolet dreams, leaving them dead inside Call him A, call him B, and a little of Columbine Generation Hill for real under the gun He says he goes blaze about as light as the sun Look into the mirror, so the damage is done Generation Hill for real under the gun Generation Hill for real under the gun Generation Hill for real under the gun It's the 
after the person pulled the trigger that has to sick this with a billion cries for help that never seemed to catch a witness but wait a minute we're still the talk of war within the system the apprehension of the sick and twisted mind cause no one listens they got the life all fucked up beyond the recognition but with a suicide I wonder if they comprehend the incident it used to be unbelievable the believable and evil with the unfathomable about the love that lost soul we living under fire I'm tired of thoughts and prayers we all too familiar with the fin of the loss of fear the mass appeal is still as unfolding the cold future when the smoke clears we just near the next shooter desensitized eyes lying eyes in the image the face invades it wretched manifest in the violent finish the death we seem indifferent I'm asking you why for that everybody counts seems like we write in the high score generation never real under the gun Generation ill for real under the gun